Hello, and welcome to Home and Hope. My name is Lauren King, and I have the privilege of serving as the Executive Director for Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. We're so excited to bring you our new podcast called Home and Hope, community conversations about what home means and why it's more important than ever to have hope for our community. Each episode, we'll be exploring different perspectives from people in the community on what it means to have home and hope. Homelessness is not something anyone can solve alone. It's a community issue and will take all of us leaning into the difficult conversation so we can move forward together. We have, a, we have a vision of a vibrant community where everyone has a place to call home and understanding what home and hope means to our community is important in that journey. We invite you to join us on this journey by staying tuned every other Friday as we bring discussions to you right here on iTunes and Spotify. Hello and welcome. I'm Lauren King, Executive Director of Tarrant County Homeless Coalition, and I'm grateful that you're joining us for this inaugural conversation on Home and Hope. Today, I'm excited to be joined by our first guest on the podcast, Commissioner Devin Allen. Many of you may have been in conversations with her around transportation, affordable housing, or criminal justice reform, just to name a few. Devin has never shied away from having hard conversations about important issues in our community. Devin, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to get this conversation started and to get your perspective on home and hope in our community. Very good. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for inviting me. Um, I always enjoy talking to you. Inevitably, we start with one subject, and by the end of our call conversation, we've talked about 10 things. So who knows what, what all we're going to cover today. That's very true. We'll see where this will lead us. So our audience knows a little bit about you. Um, but talk to us a little bit about how do you impact homelessness in our community? Sure. Um, well, I'd say probably a few different ways. One is just from my lived experience of having grown up as a child and experienced homelessness. Um, very short story, but that has but that has had a huge impact on my life is that my mom escaped a, a marriage that was characterized by domestic violence. And so she was a single mom of three with uh, some college education. And she, um, you know, developed a really bad financial practice or habit of, of writing checks that um, by the time the check met the bank, the money hadn't met the bank. Right. And so you can call it writing hot checks or check kiting, um, you know, floating from paycheck to paycheck. And so she had done that enough into where she was unable to pay off her fines. Um, and the, the judge at that time, and this was a time when unfortunately, Texas was being smart on crime, but not smart on, I mean, was being tough on crime, but not smart on crime. Mm -hmm. um, the judge um, told her, I'm gonna make an example out of you and sentenced her to 10 years in state prison for what amounted to $2,200 of bad debt. So he wow. pulled together her misdemeanor offenses into a felony. Um, and thankfully, she didn't have to serve the entirety of that time, um, just three and a half years. However, during during that time, um, you know, we moved around a lot with family. Um, and then once, you know, she was um, uh, released, um, she had a felony record and she's a black woman with some college education, three kids with a felony record mm -hmm. in, you know, the 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. um, so we did not always have 
you know, safe and um, secure living conditions. Uh, we slept a lot in motels. We couch hopped a lot. Um, and, you know, I do have memories of sleeping in my mom's work van, you know, mm. in Colorado in the middle of the winter. Um, so I, I bring my lived experience to the table. And at times I was very hesitant to share that with people because I didn't want anyone mm. to feel sorry for me. And really anyone who's in a position of need, they most people actually don't want anyone to feel sorry for them. Mm -hmm. um, but just, you know, hear their story, um, empathize and help me get to where I want to go. Um, so that's how I approach homelessness um, in one way or how I affect it. And then I hope um, my service on the Tarrant County Coalition Board um, has helped to um, affect, positively affect the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and then also my service on the Tarrant County a commissioner's court and also our housing finance corporation. Um, I hope, you know, with all of all of those perspectives that I am positively affecting um, the issue of homelessness. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that story. And I know that people, um, lots of people relate to it. And then I hope, hope appreciate um, that you bring that experience. I know that's something that we always try um, at the Homeless Coalition to make sure that we always hear that um, lived experience perspective and that we're not just um, creating a system or creating something that in theory should work, but in reality is not the best for what, what's actually happening. So that's right. That. Yeah. So you told us a little bit about um, what you do and how you impact homelessness and how homelessness has impacted you. Now for kind of a bigger question, um, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? Um, I know that, well, I mean, you, you somewhat spoke to it in um, your last question is there's a difference between what um, theory and practice, what we think is going to work versus what actually works. And I share all the time when I'm visiting with community stakeholders and with my constituents um, is I don't want to be a part of standing up a program or implementing a policy that does more harm than good, but I can't know that unless we get the feedback, right? So it needs to be a continuous mm -hmm. feedback loop. Mm -hmm. um, and so my why is that I'd also never wanted to be the person who would just complain about an issue, but not be part of a solution. I tell people mm -hmm. all the time. So I'm bringing this up, whatever the issue is, I'm bringing it up. I'm pointing out, this is what needs to be fixed. You know, um, it's important to do that, but then also it's, it's important to be part of the solution. And sometimes being part of the solution is saying, I don't know how to fix this, but I, I'm willing to be part of the conversation and you know, the group of folks who are working towards a solution. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are my, my whys. I think my approach is hopefully pragmatic, um, definitely goal oriented and ultimately that we need to make sure that we are actually serving the end user, the client, the constituent, whoever it is. Cause if we're not doing that, then, um, we're not effective. Great. <laughs> Thank you. So now on to the topic of home. Home is so, um, entrenched in who we are and how we function um, just with our community and, and um, you know, we look at home and know that, you know, kids learn better when they have a stable home and um, we're able to do our jobs better, that sort of thing. So what does home mean to you? 
Oh, it's kind of loaded for me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to think you definitely give, I, right. That's why you asked it, right? <laughs> it's a big question, but it's right. important. Yeah. yeah. I think given my background, um, you know, home meant one thing, but home still continues to, to mean that, but plus some more. So I'll explain. Growing up, because things were so unstable, and, and I want to say my mom did an amazing job under just tremendous amount of, um, with the tremendous number of constraints. Um, I don't know how she did it. I mean, it definitely, you know, was support of friends and family. Um, but still obviously we face many challenges and and extreme instability so home for me definitely meant stability and it was my grandparents house in Morningside um in you know the south side of Fort Worth um and I always like to say that you know I I I could memorize their address their phone number I knew whenever I was there that I was gonna get you know food and water and heat and like, you know, AC and all of those things that we tend to take for granted. I mean, especially now in Texas after winter storm year, there are a lot of things that we know that we can't take for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, their home was always home for me. So regardless of what was going on and where, how many places we had moved within the school year or anything like that, when we were living with my mom, um, we thankfully were able to spend just about every summer with my grandparents and we would spend time in the country in Palestine where they're from. And so that, that was, you know, kind of my initial definition of home. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, you know, grew into an adult, um, home tended to mean, okay, this is where it was most convenient for me right now, based off of where I am in my life. So when I was an EMT, mm. you know, it, it wasn't so much about the comforts as in the function, right? I need somewhere to basically sleep when I'm not in school or not at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but it, it has taken some time for, for me to allow myself to grow for it to mean more. Um, because growing up, you know, we very much would kind of get to a settled place and then something or some things would happen. And then Mm -hmm. here we are moving again. Um, Mm -hmm. So as an adult, it has definitely taken on a more significant meaning and to where I try to make sure that my home, my physical place um, is one where I can really go to, to turn off and get my bubble time because Mm -hmm. as outward facing as my job is, and as much as I love people, I'm naturally very introverted and I got to have that bubble time so that Mm -hmm. I can also have my people time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's very true. (laughs) I think that's the case for a lot of leaders in our community, (laughs) being able to have that refuge and, and place to go. So, yeah. 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 So what's something you, you serve our community in a, um, I would say, unique way. Um, not very many people have the job that you have. Um, what's something that gives you hope about our community? You know, um, I think what gives me hope about our community is that we are very resilient. I think you can take resiliency for granted, you know, and especially, you know, 2020 was a whole mood. 2021 is turning out to be a whole mood. Um, And, you know, just when you think, surely we cannot go through another fill in the blank, 
You know, there's right. not too much more that our community can withstand. It turns out that actually we can. Not that I'm advocating for more stuff to happen because we have all been through enough. Yeah. You know, between a global pandemic, a global social justice movement, you know, a 100 year winter storm, you know, elect- electricity and, and other utility uh, reliability issues specific, you know, here in Texas. That is a lot. Um, but our community has um, really been able to withstand some of that and, you know, be innovative and creating new ways to support each other and to serve our community. And that does continue to give me hope. Right. And I've had a number of partners who have said to us, you know, if we have to live through another unprecedented event, I'm not really sure how that's going to go down. <laughs> I know. So everybody's I know. right. You're right. 2020 and 2021 have definitely, um, yeah, been a mood and yes, you know, something that we, uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us thought we'd experience. So yeah. Yeah. Nope. So you've talked about your experience, um, with homelessness and, um, really shared the, the fact that, you know, your, what your mom went through and uh, my, something I take away from that is that she um, probably could have used a second chance at that point and probably yeah. potentially has had a second chance, but often people who experience homelessness need a second chance. That's what they um, are seeking and what, what it will take to, to end their homelessness. So what's the best second chance you ever received? Oh, did I know you're going to ask this question, Lauren? <laughs> That's good. Well, okay. And I'll say this though, like for instance, with my mom, when she was released, we were assigned a CPS caseworker who actually did not have to visit us very often because it was very clear that my mom was a really good mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she made some mistakes and she repaid her debt to society. Um, just as the judge made her an example in pulling together those misdemeanor offenses to felony, he also made an example that I guess some condition um, of her sentencing that she um, could not sign up to receive benefits. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was insult to injury, um, which made it that much more challenging. But, you know, my mom did get second chances and she was a great steward of them. Um, I would say a second chance that I got was, um, when I was in undergrad. Um, so, you know, my mom always prioritized education. I always did well in school. Um, you know, the, all of the smart people classes, which I can't even list them on. The names have probably changed since I really had to pay that much attention to them, but you get it. Yeah. Yes, the Same. overachiever step. <laughs> um, and so my goal was always to go to college, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have a plan once I got there. Mm-hmm. And so I got to college and it was such a big deal for me to be in college. And I had already you know, been on my own for some time since then, had been working full time and managing school and work and all that. But I got to school and... Um, I was very overwhelmed and I can't say that I necessarily understand the reasons why it wasn't the academics. I think it was just for the first time in my life. That's something that I had really planned and worked hard for and I achieved it. And 
it was very overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended, so I filled out my first semester, mm-hmm. fell into a really deep depression um, and then had to work my way back from that. And I was on scholastic um, something or another mm-hmm. to where basically I had to earn, earn my way back and show that I had the capacity to manage the, the rigors of school and work mm-hmm. and whatever else I had on my plate. Um, and that was a really hard loss for me because I always have been and still am a very ambitious person. Um, and, but, you know, if it had not been for kind of that bridge program at, mm-hmm. at UT Arlington, um, maybe I would not have gone back to school. Maybe I wouldn't have necessarily had the avenue to do it in the way that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still then, I had to mainly always prioritize work over school. So I always worked mm-hmm. a job and a half. And then some semesters I was able to go full-time, other semesters part-time. Um, and then I took off two years at one point. And so even though I started excuse me, I started school in 2000. I didn't actually earn my degree until 2010. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if there's something that you want to do, regardless of, you know, kind of the starts and stops, the ebb and flow, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just stay focused on it. And eventually you'll get there, you know, and I don't know. I mean, no one really asked me too much about when I graduated. And I thought it was such a big deal that I was like on this 10 year plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, turns out that's a, <clears throat> a story that a lot of folks have. And I'm just mm-hmm. thankful that at least at that time, that school was still relatively affordable, which I know for a lot of people now, mm-hmm. that's one of the main barriers is that they just they can't afford it. So, yeah, that true. would be my second chance. I got to thank UTA for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so interesting. You know, we talked a lot about um, how at the homeless coalition, we talk a lot about how people, everybody has a story, right. And it leads them to wherever they are at the moment. And I don't know, I don't know that anybody has a straight path anywhere, Yeah, (laughs) even though I think often that's what we feel like we're supposed to do is take the straight path there. I think we, you know, life just gives us twists and turns and detours and things we're not necessarily thinking that's the way it's going to go. So no. But I, I believe that in the end, that that does make us better. And hopefully it will also make us less judgmental of others when they're going through whatever it is that they're going through. And even if you can't, you know, necessarily identify with all of the factors, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can all say, well, we've been somewhere that we prefer not to be. Mm-hmm. And we're, sure. you know, trying trying to find our way forward. So, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about a person who touched your heart in your work. So whether it be um, as commissioner, as an EMT, um, whatever, in whatever field um, or, or practice or um, that you've been in, talk to me about someone who's touched your heart um, and potentially changed how you practice or how you, how you work. Sure. Um, there are really a lot of people that I could, that I could talk about. I mean, even my work as when I was an EMT, I was an EMT for about three and a half years. Um, and I love the work. Um, I love the fact that every day that I went to work and I, I chose to work nights, um, because I need to go to school during the day. And then when you work nights, you got to shift differential. So I needed to make as much money as I could. (laughs) And, um, But so I loved that every day was different and I never knew who I was going to meet, who I would have an opportunity to help or who I'd have an opportunity to learn from. Because obviously, mm-hmm. 
you know, when you're working in emergency medicine, you're engaging with people that it could be the very best day of their life, you know, and helping someone to deliver their baby, or it could be the worst day of their life and you, mm-hmm. and you, you don't know. Um, so I don't know if there's a particular patient that stood out, but I would say uh, when I transitioned into working in public service, I worked for a Fort Worth city council member and one of um, the constituents that I worked with the most lived in Hillside and um, she just knew everything that was going on in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And she would put me to task on a very regular basis. Um, And at first it was really hard for me to kind of channel all her energy (laughs) Mm -hmm. because she would give me so many tasks to do. And then she would call me, you know, and follow up with me religiously. And she Mm -hmm. did not forget anything that she handed off to me. And at first it was overwhelming for me because I was like, I feel like I I literally work for this one constituent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But what she taught me um, and I I remember her name and, you know, but I don't know if she'd want me to share it. So I'm not going to, Um, I'll just call her Mrs. B for, Mm -hmm. for short. But what Ms. B taught me was um, what it means to actually be responsive to your community, what it means to be responsive to your constituents and that, regardless of where you lived, what the issue was, that if it was of concern to you, one, here's how you effectively advocate for it. Mm-hmm. And two is you got to hold people accountable because I'm sure that there were some things that she was concerned about or that she asked for that if she had not been so persistent in following up with me and me also in working with the, the you know, council member that I work for to get some of those things done that maybe they wouldn't have been done or they wouldn't have been done. Mm -hmm. Um, to her level of excellence or, you know, uh, the speed at which it was done. Right. Mm -hmm. You you never know, but she's very, very impactful. And when I left working for that council member to go work for, uh, you know, for my next professional position, I kept in touch with that constituent um, and it was, you know, a good relationship. So, Mm. yeah. Great. So we'll kind of bring it back to home a little bit. Um, In your opinion, what's one thing people can do to impact homelessness in our community? Um, This is one word, but it's hard to do and do it in a way that's sustainable, but it's just to care. Oh, yeah. Just to care. Great one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And even though homelessness can seem like this, you know, just really big issue that's hard to, and I mean, it is a very complex issue Mm -hmm. um, that you, you shouldn't be overwhelmed by the fact that you can't fix it all. Mm -hmm. You can't. Mm -hmm. Um, But in working like with TCHC, for instance, and other providers who are committed to serving those who are experiencing homelessness, um, but what also helping people to maintain their dignity and empowering them and, you know, encouraging them. Um, I think that's probably the one thing that they can do it, it, like, and so in caring then to reach out to these organizations and, you know, just ask, well, what is one thing that I can do to support your organization and then do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I know we we actually talked to quite a bit whenever the winter storm hit about just kind of that overwhelming feeling of how do we protect everyone from the cold and, and from COVID as well, right? Um, and, and how do we, how do we as staff um, be able to be at our home and know that we have a place to go and how do you balance that? And so I think um, caring is a great way actually. And I, you know, just reiterated to people, we, we did all that we could do. Um, and you have to know that, 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 you know, is, is enough at the time. And yeah. so you, you did everything that you could do and um, you have to know that, that that's, that's enough and you're working to um, reach as many people as possible and, and yeah. that sort of thing. So that's a great one though, to care. So I have one closing question for you. It's kind of a fun okay. one that's not related. Um, if you were to name anything, what's the theme song to your life, Devin? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I'm going to have to give you two answers because okay. one is um, serious, but kind of funny, um, but also serious is, and now I can't remember her name, but um, I first heard her song on Instagram and the name of the song is Earth is Ghetto. Oh, and okay. so it's like, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. Would you beam me up? Like basically just because there's so much going on. She's like, right. just get me out of this place. <laughs> um, and so now that has kind of become like my thing, depending on what all I've encountered during the day, how mm. long the day is, you know, if I'm hangry or not, then my mm -hmm. friends know to get a text from me where I'm just like, Earth is ghetto, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's so that's great. one song. Um Another song that would be a theme song um, is one that is, you know, kind of more encouraging. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called, I think it's called Before I Die by Kirk Franklin. Okay. Um, and he, and it's like, before I die, I want to live, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, because I mean, you do get one life, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that's why it's really important to make sure that in that one life that you are you know, being yourself, that mm -hmm. you're pursuing the things that you love to do, that you are doing the work that you, you trust and know to be the most meaningful. You know, one of the things that I'm challenged with every day, because there's so many issues that we work on, is um, bringing my full self to those issues, mm -hmm. um, which can, which requires some vulnerability, Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, because, you know, like I was an athlete growing up and very much believe and, you know, leaving it all on the track, leaving it all on the field. So I want to mm -hmm. know at the end of the day, have I absolutely done everything that I can do? Mm -hmm. And if I know that, you know, with satisfaction, then that helps me sleep. Um, yeah. And so that's just kind of how I live my life. I will say that I love all kind of music, all kinds of music. <laughs> um, I love live music. So even if, you know, as this podcast continues and people listen to it, if anyone gives you recommendations for music what, or what their theme song is or whatever, I'd kind of like to know what that is because that may help me to, to broaden, my, broaden my horizons in my music. But um, my friends actually also make fun of me for um, <laughs> the fact that they never know what kind of music I'm listening to, what kind of food I'm eating. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 
That's great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure and um, include people's songs um, whenever yeah. we, we link the podcast. So, well, Devin, I want to say thank you again for joining me today for this important conversation. Uh, we'll make sure to link any resources like music or others yes. um, that we discussed today <laughs> in the podcast description. And we'll make sure to share that information with the community. We emphasize time and time again that homelessness will not be solved by any one nonprofit. It'll take a community effort and all of us being part of the solution. Devin, we so appreciate everything you do for the Homeless Coalition, for our partners, and for our community. Make sure to join me in two weeks as we continue this conversation about home and hope in our community. Joel Hunt, the leader of our street, our medical street outreach team, will be joining me to share his perspective then. Hope to there see you go. soon. I like it. Thank you.